to the Wild Feather Podcast. I'm Brooke Dunwell, serial entrepreneur, sponge for life, and lover of people. Join me as we uncover the stories of courageous female entrepreneurs, founders, and investors pushing beyond limitless boundaries. Let's explore their creative journeys and pursuits to greatness. Marie Roker-Jones is the co-CEO of Esteem. Esteem organizes Equalathons, which are hackathons for equality that help tech companies hire talent to create diversity in the workplace. She is creating a space of inclusion and belonging for underrepresented tech talent. She has spent her career leading workforce development and diversity strategies in companies. She's built movements, nonprofits, and has founded multiple startups. Thank you so much for being here with us, Marie. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here and speaking with you, Brooke. So thank you. Yay. Awesome. (laughs) So you started Esteem and tell us, uh, you've had a fun journey throughout your career. Um, Tell us how you got started as a founder and how you, what led you to this point and um, you're on a great mission. So please share. (laughs) Sure. So I've had a non-linear career and I've been in nonprofit, social impact, multi, you know, multimedia. Um, so I have real, but always at the center of everything, it's been about social good and how do you give back? How do you um, really become a servant leader um, without sacrificing much of yourself or um the your your needs as a a founder or a person who is on their way to becoming an entrepreneur. So um, I actually met my co-founder through a nonprofit, uh, the Charter for Compassion, that I was volunteering with, and um, he was doing these hackathons. And I just I offered some tips about like how you can make it better. And he was like, why don't you join me on this journey? And I was like, do I really want to do this right now? Um, it was right at the height of COVID. <laughs> and we're both in New York and it's like, there's so much going on. And since I'm a glutton for punishment, I was like, okay, you know, why not? And um, <laughs> sure, why not? Sure, I not. There's a, you know, a global pandemic and I'm homeschooling, but hey, this sounds like the right time for an adventure. Let's add something else to the plate. Exactly, right? Why not? Um, but because I, I strongly believe in a, a mission of how do we um, help the tech industry innovate better and, and challenge some of the world's and address some of the world's challenging problems. And so really looking at using these hackathons as a way to bridge um, tech employers who are being intentional about diversity and inclusion with what we call underestimated tech talent who who need that visibility to really get themselves in into the into a tech career and and to just really be able to showcase their potential and so this is how esteem as it is today um, was born created however you want to call it so yeah right in it's a it's a pandemic baby yeah. it's a pandemic startup baby so yeah pandemic i love that that's awesome so many companies started from pandemics i, yeah. I remember back in 2008 when the economy took a downturn and it was like an incredible amount of companies started 
because you become, I think you get stuck in the think tank, right? And so you have time to like be creative versus being busy every day. I don't know, in your everyday life. So that's cool. Yeah. So now what, how does it work? What are you guys doing? So every month we look at what are some of the social issues, social or environmental issues that are happening in the world, or we look at like what observances are coming up. And then we organize what we call equalathons, hackathons for equality around the the topic. So um, last month for uh, was Pride Month. So we did one for with startup.org. And we always partner with a nonprofit organization that is doing the work, one, to help them uh, build some kind of tech solution that financially, um, they're incapable of, of building themselves. So I think that's the other reason our participants love it because they're, they're upskilling while giving back. And for employers, it's a win-win because mm-hmm. they, they can incorporate diversity, equity, inclusion, and corporate social responsibility by um, sponsoring and participating in a hackathon. So we bring these employees, tech employees together with our community of participants, and they build a solution for a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. And we also have open challenges, which means ah, that so they're somebody, actually building something for them. Yes. Cool. Yes. So it's it's giving back in um, in an innovative way, because, for example, startup startout.org is a nonprofit that supports LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs. And so what they needed was to build like kind of a chat box and a way to connect more entrepreneurs to investors and, and bring that, again, I'm going to use the word visibility to LGBTQ plus um, startup founders. So it's it, there's always, like I said, there's a theme, there's a nonprofit partner, and then there's a goal for helping not only our participants, but the tech company and their employees to better understand the the overall um, DEI uh challenge or problem, which is, for example, that there is a lot of harassment and discrimination when it comes to um, LGBTQ plus employees and startup founders. So it's it's a way to learn. It's a way to to, you know, showcase your skills, mm-hmm. but it's also a way to give back. So checking off, not just so I have a couple questions. One is. <laughs> right, right. So I have a couple questions. Sure. One is. How do you build the community of the hackers and then how do you create awareness? And then the other question is you brought up corporate social responsibility. How is that surfaced through these hackathons? And maybe you can help define that because I'm certain some of our listeners don't really know exactly what that is. Sure. Um, so I'll answer the first question. We have uh, partners, for example, Girl Develop It, um, Women Who Code, uh. um, Apprentice. So we have different startup, I mean, a startup partners that we work with to bring our community. We also have our own Slack community. So we have repeat, um, if you want to call them hackers or participants, 80% of which are women. And I think the reason they like our hackathons is because we've created a trusted space for anyone from early career to senior level to really come in, um, learn more about the particular subject that or topic that we're, we're um, 
organizing for this month. And then we also help them to better understand how to work together as a team, how to really build their professional network. So it gives an opportunity for people to meet others in their field or even bootcamp graduates who usually they just work with their cohorts or their software engineer, they're in a cohort with software engineers. So now they have um, the ability to meet with UI UX designers. So really gives an opportunity to, to look at your career uh, through the lens of different um, tech, I guess you can say positions, but as also how to be a better team mm-hmm. member. And I mean, everything that comes into career development that is not always, um, yeah. I guess, it's, you don't always learn in school, whether it's college or boot camp. So it's really helping them to feel confident in their abilities, but also be able to use those skills to help a nonprofit organization. And for, uh, you asked me about corporate social responsibility, it's a way to, for companies to really show um, how they are giving back, how they are being sustainable, how they are um, really taking the, you know, the lead on um, making sure that their company values and missions align with um, some of the things that their employees really care about. So a lot of times it's employees that push corporate social responsibility forward. Um, And it's interesting because I was reading how it's a $20 billion industry and that Gen Z, they are coming into the workplace and they are asking employers, what are, how are you giving back? What are you doing for society? What are you doing for the environment? So it's encouraging to Mm -hmm. see that um, their employees are the ones that are really asking for this and looking for ways to um, Mm -hmm. volunteer, but in a way that's actionable. And it's not just, you know, let me put together a gift bag, but let me actually get in, do the work, learn from others, meet other people that I may not necessarily have met and learn about um, a diversity issue. So I know I said a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting. I, yeah, no, that's interesting. So, um, do employers pay to attend these? Mm-hmm. Yes. So our participants. How do you don't generate pay. revenue? They pay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Our participants okay. and nonprofits don't pay. The employers come on as sponsors. So we have. Um, the way our business is structured is we have a subscription model for employers that want to just sponsor a hackathon. And then we also have a recruitment side in case they want to hire from our hackathon. So then we also do the recruiting and sourcing for them. So the goal is to help them be more culturally competent so that when they're bringing in somebody new, they really already have the foundation of better understanding what does it mean to be inclusive? What do, how can we um, be more aware aware and and just culturally sensitive about the needs of other groups that are not necessarily reflected Mm -hmm. in our company. It's interesting because just a side note on that, as a recruiter, Mm -hmm. um, I have had probably four or five candidates, which means job seekers, Mm -hmm. um, tell me within the past three months that in their top three key important components of a company are diversion and inclusion in 
15 years of doing this, I have never had anyone ask or say or require that. And we're not, I mean, and we're talking various levels, like a very senior, like really high level director that works at a very repu- a very um, popular company, shall we say, okay. Fortune 1000. <laughs> and then younger maybe three to four years in their career. So it's really kind of like all over, like a very Mm -hmm. dynamic. It's not just Gen Z and it's not baby boomers. It's like the whole, which I find so interesting because I really think it's like at the forefront of, it's a very hot topic right now. Yeah. It's very important, I should say. Yeah. And we're trying to get it past the just the buzzword to really mean something uh-huh. and to be impactful. Because I, I think when people ask about that, they're, what they're really asking is, um, are there people there that um, will be seen and heard and valued? But also, if you are creating products or services, um, you have to be mindful of who are Who's your customer? You know, who are your suppliers? Who are you working with? And understanding that in order to build better products, you have to build them for those who need, who have accessibility needs, you know, those who are from different groups. How can you, you know, how, if you find out that most of your customers are from uh, the Latin uh, population, but you have no one, you know, on your team that uh, understands uh, the culture and is part of the culture, then how are you creating better products? How are you really serving those customers? So it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, really performative action, but it's not coming off across as authentic. Yeah. Uh, is the, are you guys focused on the New York area or are you broadening out like yeah. demographic wise? Where's your focus at right so now? We're global as far as working with companies as well as with um, participants. We've had participants that are in Brazil, Spain, uh, India. That yeah. Are these Thailand. virtual events then? Yes, they're all virtual. So, um, and yeah, we, okay. I think we're okay. going to keep it that way because we find that um, we might do some local uh, here in New York, um, but we're going to keep it virtual because we feel that it gives people an opportunity to continue meeting other people that they may not have met um, necessarily. And with so many companies mm-hmm. offering yeah. remote, it's easier. Yeah. Now, where do they find out about uh, these hackathons? So we post them, do you know, either, Steam. Yeah, either Steam. We do an Eventbrite link. We um, post in different Slack groups. So we partner, as I mentioned, with other um, organizations that are targeting whether it's women or people of color or those who may have physical or neurodiversity Um Abilities, we we reach out to them to participate, and um, right now, like that's really our focus. How do we create uh, more outreach and and reach more people to participate in our hackathons? Yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks. I love that it's filling um, a need for a nonprofit too. That that's brilliant. Yeah. So I'm going to go back a little bit in your career and 
it looks like you were the founder of Raising Great Men. Yeah. And oh yeah. Is that how you pronounce that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about those. Like you're you're like a serial entrepreneur. So um sure. um raising great men. What's that? So raising great men, you know, when my older son was probably in fourth grade, I realized there wasn't a platform for moms of boys to really have conversations about um, what do our sons need or, you know, to really understand how to be better allies, understand about gender equity, to understand about how to become a man of character. And that means different things for different parents and, 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 and kids. So I really started this community to just have these conversations, just um, really bring, bring parents together, really moms of boys together to talk about what do our sons need? Where can we as moms be um, influential in helping our sons better understand uh, the world, better understand what direction they want to go to and and how do they how are they going to uh, be a 21st century man and what does that look like for them so um you know it, it's funny because at that time it was before me too and, and a lot of these conversations so it, it was hard it was really a struggle to do this without um, the buy-in of some dads um, and and the buy-in of others but I did have a supportive community who cared and and really looked forward to it and and through that I became the editor the senior editor at the good men project for their raising boys section it really highlighted um, what do boys need? What are we What are we thinking about? And and there were so many great articles there about school shootings and mental health and uh, suicide prevention, puberty, education, healthcare. Just conversations that um, weren't happening in, in silos that really were out there, so that we can start thinking ahead about what our sons are going to need. Um, and then. Uh, Working as a co-founder for Oya, and the name comes from my uh, co-founder who is from Wisconsin, and she, you know, they say we Oya. Um, so the idea was we owe uh, the military community for all their sacrifices, and that's really what um, we were doing: uh-huh. helping veterans and military spouses transition into. Uh, civilian careers, particularly in tech. So uh, that's where the name Oya came from. And um, yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting journey as I like it. Yeah, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So So what have been some of your challenges? Um, What do you think some of your obstacles have been? And how did you overcome those? Um. I wish I could say I have overcome. I'm still overcoming some of them. I think the biggest obstacle. (laughs) Yeah, I think the biggest obstacle is being a woman um, and being a black woman. I shouldn't say it's an obstacle. I think it is actually an advantage and a value, um, but it's not always seen that way in in the world of investors, in the world of um, raising capital. So it's it's I've learned Mm -hmm. a lot, and I'm still learning, um, but 
you know, I'm I'm going to rephrase that and change the narrative from saying it's an obstacle to really saying that it's a value that people don't understand or see because most businesses and, and, and startups that are started by women and people of color do exceptionally mm-hmm. well, but we just don't always get the, um, the support that we need. Um, I, I think somebody once said we're yeah. over mentored and underfunded, which is a, a truth. So I think that's uh, been one of the huh. interesting challenges. Yeah. Now, have you raised funding? No, we are still have you gone through that process. No, we're still bootstrapping. Okay. Yeah. And um, we're okay. going to raise funding so, okay. at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Are you going to go angel or investors or, or VCs or do you have any idea? Um, We're thinking angel investors. I mean, yeah. even though there's similarities between VCs and angel investors, that's the route we, we're choosing to go for now. And um, mm-hmm. really solidifying our business structure and our model so that um, investors can see you know, the value and, and the, the profitability in what we're doing. Mm. So what keeps you motivated? What is your motivation? I think what keeps me motivated is really our community and, and, and really the next generation I see of tech innovators, because there are so many, um, people that are doing amazing things. Uh, I think one of the, the highlights and, unexpected highlights of, of doing this is that three of our um, hackathon teams are now startup founders. They're really building their their own platforms. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting to see people go from, I am a developer, you know, one of our um, uh, participants is actually a social worker who became a front end developer, who's now developing a platform for working moms. So it's fascinating to see that um, how they evolve, how their confidence builds, and to be in the trenches with them because we're still a startup, you know, an early uh, startup. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so what do you want? Well, let me back up. What advice would you give to others that are starting companies or that are on their founder journey or just things that you've learned that you'd like to pass on? Sure. I mean, I think one of the ones or one of the things I've learned and I'd love to uh, just speak about is really being able to take care of your mental well-being while um working on your startup, making time for yourself. It's, it's something we don't talk often about. And I think that this idea of a, of the, of, of hustling is it, it's overrated and it doesn't lead to um, better decision-making. It actually just leads to you just feeling more overwhelmed. So really being intentional about what you're building and what you're doing, but making time for yourself so that you can be more, gain clarity on what you're doing and how to build it in a way that um, speaks to your own values. And so I would definitely recommend that people think about their mental well being and also 
slowing down to sometimes really tap into that intuition that sometimes we we don't talk about in business. But that's really what helps a lot of times with people making better decisions is how do I stop for a moment, be still and and, and start to think about um, what do I need to do next instead of just rushing through everything and thinking you have to be hustling and making money. And I think there's we glorify it too much. Mm hmm. That's good advice. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want my legacy to be that that I to be a servant leader, that I have um, lived up to what I speak about, that it's not just words. You know, I, I really want to set the example for my sons about um, being doing social good and and advocating for yourself and um not being afraid to take risk that may not necessarily seem ideal to others, but it feels mm-hmm. right to you. Yeah. Love it. So how can we help you succeed? What can we do for you? Oh, thanks. That's, um, I think just being on the show and uh, being able to just bring more visibility, not just to our startup, but to our community and um, helping to really change the narrative of what the tech industry thinks about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's not just performative action, but that mm-hmm. it's something that's um, sustainable. And, um, and, you know, if there's any companies that are looking for ways to support diverse talent, while um, also supporting nonprofits, we'd really love to partner with them on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you need nonprofits or do you need companies or which, which one's we're, more important? We're open to both. Um, we love meeting new nonprofit partners okay. that have a goal but may not necessarily have, as I mentioned, the the budget or the the workforce to mm-hmm. complete a tech solution. So we're happy to meet with sure. them and, and, and assess where is there a, a need and um, how do we build a hackathon around that? Yeah. I love it. I've got some Ooh. companies I think could participate in those hackathons for show. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. That'd be very awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and sharing your journey and your story. And you guys are doing some great things. And it's like you're helping multiple, like three different groups all at once. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it it's nice. It's nice to see, um, like I said, those the two, three groups, what they learn from each hackathon and how it uh, influences them for whatever they're doing next. Mm-hmm. Oh, quick question. How long does a hackathon last? So we have um, three tracks. So we have a weekend track for those who want that competitive kind of hackathon, but um, traditionally they're um, a week long and it's more cooperative mm-hmm. hackathons than competitive. And then we also have the no code for those who are non-technical and want to, you know, help to build something and be part of a team by using 
platforms such as Bubble.io or, um, to, to build something. So it, we're, you know, we mm-hmm. are open to non-technical um, subject matters too. So join us. We're always happy. And uh, awesome. yeah, we're taking a break for August. We'll be back in September where we're doing um, an ideathon for around religious freedom in the work part workforce, as well as um, how do we support the Latin, uh, Latina, Latino community in tech. So we're looking forward to September coming back oh, with. Yeah, we'll keep us posted. <laughs> okay, so tell everyone where we can find you. Sure. So um, our main website is uh, esteem.com and it's E-S-S-T-E-E-M. Dot com. It is a French way of uh, spelling esteem. My co-founder is French. And we also have Equalathon.io, which is where you can find out about our hackathons. And that's E-Q-A-L-I-T-H-O-N. Um, and I'm a, also, I'm on LinkedIn, Marie Roker-Jones. Always happy to meet new people, connect, and um, use LinkedIn in the way that it was intended, which is to... Um, expand professional network and connect people to resources or other people. So yeah, find us there. And on Twitter, we're at Esteem World on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you again for your time today and sharing your story. And for listeners, it's free to listen to us. You can subscribe to our channel on um, iTunes, on Google, on Spotify, uh, and our YouTube channel. You can check us out at the Wild Feather Podcast. So thanks again and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wild Feather. Be authentic, be limitless, and love yourself. Love yourself.